for one of the most beautiful and playable custom acoustics on the planet, look no further than Ed Rice at Toeir Guitars. Ed is a true artist, transforming exotic woods into magnificent, sweet-sounding instruments. Go to toeirguitars.us, that's T-O-I-R-G-U-I-T-A-R-S.us, and contact Ed today. Hey everybody, Brad and I want to say thank you for listening and thank you for the support. Please continue to listen and share this podcast on all platforms that you can. And if you'd like to support us monthly, we're set up now where you can go to anchor.fm slash Top Hill Recording. Hit the support button, 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99 per month. Any amount would be greatly appreciated. Now back to the podcast. Top Hill Recording Podcast, episode 43. What's up, Neil? Dude, did you realize that this episode in, in, in Brooks, we didn't let you know coming into it because it was kind of a surprise to us. This episode is going to be our one-year anniversary episode. One-year anniversary. Holy crap, man. Yeah, That's man. crazy. Isn't it nuts? So we released nuts, our man. first podcast on December 19th, 2019. I think it was 18th or 20th or December yeah. 20th. Okay. Because this, this one will be released on the 18th. December 18th, 2020. Get this year over with. Yeah. Oh my God. We should go back and yes, listen sir. to that first podcast and hear how bad it is. It's in a tent in that part of the room when it was a bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, Brooks we've, Brooks, we've come a long way here at Top Hill Recording Podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. And Absolutely, the, man. I'm happy to be here, brother. And, Thank you, man. And Brooks, the way that first podcast happened was Neil came down to the house and we were just going to talk about this idea he had to start a podcast. And we got about five minutes of talking about it, and we said, hell with this. Let's just record one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that, man. Yeah, so here we are, man. That is so cool. 43 episodes one year later. <laughs> yes, sir. Awesome. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So, listeners, we have Brooks Ritter with us tonight, and we're glad to have Brooks here. One-year anniversary. Yeah, man. Howdy, howdy. Thank you, Brooks, for coming on, man. And, Brooks, Dude, happy to be here. Neil awesome. and I always have some bourbon. And tonight, oh, yeah. tonight we have three bottles on the table, <laughs> and we decided. Oh yeah, <laughs> we decided to start with Bird Dog Seven Year Old. First time I've ever had this, Neil. It's not bad. No, it's not. But here's the thing: I've already drank mine because Brooks was doing dishes for a minute. We had to hold <laughs> off, and I was like, "Man, this thing is good enough to just finish it." Yeah. So I'm right oh. at the end of it. We might have to move on to the second, which will be. Ah, uh, let's do the Russell's Ten Year Old next. All right. We'll go with the Russell's 10-year-old. Oh, man. Brooks, we, we got... That's mighty fine. Yeah, we don't mess around here at the Top Hill Recording Podcast. Yeah, Brooks. <laughs> no, you don't. Dude, I got to come in person so I can enjoy that with you. Yeah, I man. Wish you well, could. well, we try to set it up pre-corona, and then if we would have known... Look, Brooks, if, if I would have known mm. that 2020 looked the way it did, I would have made you uh, come up earlier. But I don't think timing could have actually been any better, man. Not only is it... A kind of a celebration for us being our one year 
anniversary, but you've got, you're like looking down the pipeline of a record coming out and some amazing music that you just dropped and another one coming out. So timing may be perfect for this one, man. Absolutely, man. It, it ha- all happens for a reason. And even though it's been a crazy, crazy year, man, I am so excited about the new music that's that I'm coming out with. So awesome. Yeah. I'm, I couldn't be more excited. We have some great stuff and we're going to talk about that. But before we get into the new music, why don't you start us out just telling us a little bit about where music started for you, your early memories of music as a child, and when you first realized music was going to be an important part of your life. Man, I tell you, my family's musical, and one of my favorite memories of music is either with my mom or dad uh, growing up in the car, and that's where we listened to most of our music anyway at the time. Man, just listening to R.E.M. or... Morrissey or you know just the most random stuff that my parents were into at the time and me just you know trying to emulate my dad as he is he's a drummer Hmm. and so he would always be you know doing the drum beats on the either the steering wheel or his lap while he drove that's all so it's just I'm like trying to emulate my dad I'm trying to do these things I'm singing at the top of my lungs uh and man I mean that's that's a really early memory of music. Hmm. I tell you what, it it was probably when Green Day put out uh, the album Dookie, dude, and great the album. music video. Oh yeah, huh. and the music video for uh, Basket Case was came out. It was that video that I was just like, "Holy shit! I <laughs> want to play guitar. Yeah. I want to I want yeah. to do this." You know, and it it, it probably. It took a few years in the making, obviously. I didn't have, I think at that time, I had gotten my first Squire uh, Stratocaster. And, you know, I'm just like trying to emulate what I see on on music videos. And how old are you? Gosh. This is probably middle school. Yeah. Yeah. It was was probably middle school. Man, dude. Yeah. So like Mm 13-ish. And I think I took my first uh, guitar lesson around that time, too. You know, it just kind of, it took a little bit of years to get behind me, man. But, and honestly, the the electric wasn't my first love, even though uh, Billy Joe Armstrong really kind of, uh, <laughs> he kind of was like my hero at the time. Once I, I got the ele- uh, the acoustic guitar, um, that's when actually, uh, and that was a couple years later, 15 or so, I started writing songs and I started to put together chord structures and start to learn how all those things work together. Hmm. And honestly, man, I I haven't looked back since. Do you think having a a father as a drum, that's a drummer and Mm -hmm. and having all this music in your life, the percussive aspect of the acoustic guitar drew you more to that than the electric. Do you think that was part of the pool? Definitely. Definitely a first. Yeah, man. It just seems like there's so much, the the body of a of an acoustic and the feel of that and to be able to get that sound that deepness and the things that you can't get out of an electric especially for a kid that grew up watching mm-hmm. his dad play drums on a steering wheel and and man I think there might be something to that dude absolutely you know I love electric guitar and that's what I, I play mostly now mm-hmm. uh, even though I write most everything on the acoustic like the thing that I'm drawn to like with my band. And with drummers that I've played with in the past and other 
uh, musicians, I really bond with the drummer. Mm-hmm. Like if I, if we are not locked in, if we're not a machine together, like pumping down this highway together, it's not working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and we need to push pause and we need to figure something else out. Cause um, yeah, I, I just, I love locking in with the drummer. My drummer currently, his name is uh, Nico Albanese. He is an unreal god, <laughs> god of thunder <laughs> on the drums, man. And uh, it is just such a thrill to get to play with him when we play. Yeah, <laughs> and well, when we will play again. Did you have a kit at the house as a kid growing up? Uh, my dad, he picked drums back up probably when I was in middle school and in high school, and he played with a group of friends of his. Hmm. So growing up, man, we were broke as hell. So we didn't have drums in the house. The first guitar that and and is now in my possession uh, was my mom's. And when they divorced, it, it was my dad's in the divorce. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of lucked out because he got the there were two guitars that were both my mom's, <laughs> but he got the better of the two. <laughs> but um, it was an old Yamaha that my mom I think used in in college when she went away and uh i just love the hell out of that thing so huh. uh, i have that now i put a pickup in it about no oh, cool eight eight years ago it's like oh three thirty five or something no it's like a um it looks like in like a om like okay. an orchestra yeah just a smaller body right. not not quite a uh a parlor but just a smaller body it oh, looks real sexy yeah. Oh man, I, I bet it. it. I bet it is. Awesome. Plus those old, uh, those old tone woods, man. They play so good. Those old Yamahas. It's like, man, there's, there's treasure in those old Yamahas. For sure, man. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, man. Um, the one thing I was uh, blown away by because the very first time that I was introduced to you was visually through video, and it was the Odeon video, man. And oh, man. instantly. I was just connected because there was so much intensity, not only and, and connection between you and your the players and then the performance and the I love the song as it was. Uh, Glad we came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, there is such a a level of just when you see that connection. There is a level of connection through even a computer screen that you go these guys are just killing it. They're on the same page. And it is from the first note to the the end of the video, really of the entire video, but in particular yeah. that song, I mean, it just captures the intensity of what you guys do. And it was amazing to see. Yeah. Brooks, Thank we, li- we've been listening to Brooks Ritter today. <laughs> oh man, dude, I appreciate it, brother. And, well, uh, hold on. Let's go back because I don't know if you remember this, Brad, but when we were laying this floor in this studio, Actually, yes. I, I posted it. That's or maybe when he first even, introduced me to Brooks' music. Yeah, I think I sent Brooks a, a message and said, hey, bro, listen to your music while we're putting down this floor in the studio. Yes, you did. Yeah. So rem- yeah. That's wild. I didn't. I forgot all about that until just yeah. now. But as we were sitting in this room, we were listening to, to a lot of Brooks Ritter music. Dude, <laughs> I love it, dude. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Yeah. That's awesome. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. So you mentioned you, you took uh, guitar lessons at least briefly. Um, mm-hmm. How about how about vocal lessons? Did you ever take any vocal lessons? Man, the first time that I actually got any sort of formal training was my senior year in high school. You know, I kind of did the thing of just like emulating what I heard. And so that kind of helped me to find a voice somewhat, but 
it wasn't until my senior year of high school. I'm from Louisville, so I, I went to Atherton and uh, the choir director there, um, he gave, it, it was more or less, it wasn't even vocal lessons. It was more like breathing, just kind of teaching how to breathe right. And I went to college, went to Western for three years, um, did not graduate, <laughs> desired to play rock and roll more than I wanted to go to school. So <laughs> that's that story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I took a few vocal lessons in college as well. So my minor was music. And so I was, again, it was just like puzzle pieces. You know, I, I've gotten compliments about my voice, but they're like, you kind of, if you do this, you can open up better. You know, you can kind of, you can reach for this note a little better. So much of it is breathing. Mm, and so yeah. that's, that's what was kind of nailed into my head and breath support and that sort of a thing. And so it it wasn't a ton of vocal lessons, that's for sure. But it was, um, it was it was tips along the way, I guess you mm. could say. I really think you got a really nice voice, really nice tone. So that's mostly mm. natural. You just something that came to you naturally. Man. Well, you know, I mean, it, yeah. In a lot of ways, there's yeah. My a lot of my influences vocally they range from rock to R and B to soul and kind of bluesy stuff too. So it's like again trying to when I would be practicing like or singing along to people it was literally just me and then writing songs trying to find my own voice I feel like you develop your voice as a writer mm. but you also develop your voice as a singer and where you're most comfortable and if you listen back to my first album The Horse Fell Lame to today I mean, I sound like a child, <laughs> for one. Uh, I'm super proud of those songs and everything, but, you know, like, it, it's it's a very distinct, just tonal difference. And and I also think it has to do with years of singing, too, uh, mm -hmm. of just having done it so many times. You know, the voice gets a little more uh, mature, and mm -hmm. I feel like I'm probably at my most mature sounding thus far. <laughs> yeah <Hopefully>. man <laughs> well i mean just just from the the first cut off the new record devil's teeth that you can you can hear that maturity in not only mm. the voice but the songwriting and and the uh the continual evolution of brooks ritter as a as a musician overall man. i can't wait to hear the next thing and the, and then the next thing and then the next thing but you know you know how it is in this this uh we gotta wait a little bit so before no doubt, we get man. into before we get into Devil's Teeth yeah. and, and talking about the upcoming uh, EP, which is uh, Ghost Come to Life. That's yes, the sir. next. Is that the EP or the next song? That's the EP itself. Okay, right on. Oh, sweet. Okay. So when we were listening to Brooks today, Neil, you mentioned two songs, and I wrote them down that mm -hmm. that were your favorites, and one you just you just mentioned a while ago, Bradley "Glad We came. came," and the other was "That's All Right with Me." Man, I dig that song. I remember the first time I heard that song, yeah, it just caught me. I was like, "Oh, so, dude, that is killer." Let's listen to one of those killer. now. Which which do you want to hear, Neil? Let's listen to uh, Let's listen to "Glad We Came" because that was the, my introduction to Brooks Ritter that kind of just knocked me on my back of my heels a little bit, and I think that would be a good one to start with. Okay, Brooks, you have anything you want to say about "Glad We Came" before we take a listen to that? Man, this is like uh, when I first wrote this, it felt more like almost like just an Americana song, and then um, I was like, something's just not right. So I started messing around with with the chords. Obviously, I, I am also a huge Radiohead head fan. Mm. All of a sudden, 
I started hearing different chords that kind of reminded me of, of Radiohead and there, there you have it. So it, it was two different versions and I'm really happy with this version. <laughs> you like this one? This one ended up being the one, huh? <laughs> this is the one. This is the one. All right. <laughs> captures you and it might be what you alluded to that it had that real radio heady feel to it but it wasn't radiohead so yeah. there was there was that aspect that that just grabbed you by the gut and in real gn for me on that tune in particularly and, and I, i've told brad and i told my wife kim i was like i love the way you play the guitar because i think there's so much that goes on in your right hand not your left hand that you do mm. to make things happen on a guitar that are special. Just, I just think that there's a, a real style that you have that sets yourself a little bit apart from most guitar players. And it may be linked to your dad and the drums and all that, but, or, or what, who knows the way you play is awesome. Man. Thank you. I, I, I just, thank you. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> Sorry. There's a, no. So did you play much as a solo act? Oh Yeah. I think you learn to feel a lot of space, you know. Absolutely. Being kind of the one dude up there, <laughs> you've you've really got to work dynamics, man. Uh, and that was one thing that I've always tried to to do when when it was a solo show, you know, to let the quiet moments be quiet and let those big moments really be big. And I think I think it just fills up a room. Mhm. Mm and just with guitar playing, it's it's there's space, there's room to I breathe. I was gonna say maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just your dynamics as a guitar player are are impressive. Even when you I'm watching a 
Instagram live or something like that, or even videos, you can tell in your, mm -hmm. in your playing that you have that sensibility that it doesn't have to be a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time. It, it, it you can set yourself right. back and bring your vocals out. It's almost like you're mixing live mm -hmm. by yourself. That's one of the things, I mean, I remember I had several conversations with other musicians that would, would be like, Hey man, if you know, this, this is not going to be the strongest PA we've ever played through. <laughs> so the best we can mix ourselves, mm. the better we're going to sound. And I, and I just, I think that's true for any sort of stage. Uh, you never know what you're going to walk into when it comes to venues or, um, I mean, I, I think, Odeon is one of the best. Zanzibar is one of the best locally. You know, and then you got your huge venues, headliners, and then our theaters. But it's just when you play in some some divey bars, and I played in divey bars across Kentucky, Chicago, but it's when you can control that aspect of yourself, the amps aren't too loud, you know, but they're still, you can feel them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you can feel it. You can feel the drums. You can feel the bass, but you can hear everything. That's like the best of both worlds, man. I got a chicken and an egg question for you then. Do it. Did <laughs> the process of playing live in those situations bleed over to allowing you to create that in a studio setting? Or was that something that you kind of always had and, and, and learned how to make that go over in a live setting because if you can't create that in a live setting for, I, I don't know how you think about that. It's huge to think about it and to create those dynamics, but I wouldn't know how you would do that without seeing it live first. Was that something that was just always kind of intuitive with your songwriting or is that something that was a learned thing through those processes? I think it's been a learning process. I had to realize that, you know, when, playing acoustic guitar i don't need to smack the damn thing to get it to sound loud all i need to do is get a heavier pick and just be more full i don't have to hit the guitar to make it sound loud you know there's certain aspects you know like t-bone burnett um i remember hearing about him having a conversation about doing raising sand with uh robert plant and um old uh Alison Krauss. And, um, you know, one of the things he he's infamous for doing is using these. I mean, that record in particular is a massive. It's unbelievable. Piece. Yeah. But you listen to that, man. And you're like, are these guys even like hitting the drums? <laughs> it <laughs> yeah. sounds like they're they're tapping on the drums, but it's huge. <clears throat> and the same with the guitars. And one thing that came away from him talking about it um you know, he's talked about the acoustic guitar and, and that was one of the things I honed in on because it's like, you know, I do play acoustic. I'm, I'm an acoustic guitar player. He said, you know, it's funny about the acoustic guitar. It, you could hit it louder. You could start to really, you know, really play the thing and wail on it, but it's actually not getting louder. The sound is actually getting quieter because it's like the sound is going in on itself. So it's like, actually, the quieter you play, the more clear everything is, the more that was a hugely impactful sort of thing for me. Just, you know, I had an old friend of mine, he was like, study this record, you know, and it's just like, oh, my, my, yeah. my. 
And then on the other side of that, I love people like Lynn Hansard, you know, where he will absolutely just rake his guitar and you don't think that thing is going to survive. <laughs> and lo and behold, he does. <laughs> and so there's two extremes, obviously, but it's like, I really think one, if the dynamics are right live and you're able to capture some of that, it just makes it that much easier to think about those things in the studio, mm-hmm. which is obviously where you want it to happen because here's this stamp of like, this is going to be in this world forever. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as people, you know, look up and remember such and such, you know, band or, you know, me, for instance, or Led Zeppelin, you know, it, it's, it's like, that's a time capsule. And so it's like, if you can get that part right, the, the album right, um, I mean, that's what you want to get right. Mm. So at the end of the day, it's like, this is what people are going to keep going back to. And then hopefully you're able to capture that, that live experience for them too. And so it's just that emotional, uh, roller coaster you like to, I like, at least for me, I love bringing people on that ride. Yeah. And it tends to pull them into that experience, especially live, especially mm-hmm. in a live setting where, uh, also in a studio when you're listening anytime, but in a live setting, when you have those ebbs and flows and that, that time where it, you have to lean in, you know, you, you have a choice, absolutely. lean, lean in or walk away. And when people lean in and really absolutely listen and invest and get into that, that's when it gets really golden. Absolutely. You can observe that in a band on stage too. Yeah. Eye contact, body language, reading each other, mm-hmm. you know, ebbing and flowing as a group yeah you you can see that yeah absolutely man i'd like to hear one more brooks ritter song well please my, do. my other my other uh faith that's all right with me is it that's all right or that's yeah, all right with me man. we're going back a bit but that's, that's all, right all right with right me, with me man. <laughs> okay <laughs> that's right. let's listen to that's all right with me anything you want to tell us about that one brooks man uh, this is one of those tunes that when i wrote it i wrote all the lyrics first which i I do that some. I, I mostly do ideas that way, huh. and I sort of have a sort of uh, a rhythm to how I'm I'm thinking they're going to turn out. This one just straight up, man. I I don't know what to tell you. It just I had the thing, didn't have my guitar at hand at all, and I wrote the whole damn song <laughs> just lyrically. And then I was like, okay, now I need to figure this out with my guitar. Did you have the melody line when you wrote it? Did you know the, what it was going to sound like without the without the chords? Man, I didn't. Really? I kind of had an idea. Mm-hmm. I kind of had an idea. It was this is the like this is the rhythm of the verse sort of an idea and I'm just going to play with that. And it was like the key of C worked. <laughs> and <laughs> so I was like, "All right, man. I think what's cool about this one and this was uh with the guys I used to play with, uh one of my old guitar players. He had the idea, what if you do a really repetitive that's all right with me, honey, that's all right with me. Mm. And that kind of a vibe at the end for the bridge, basically, you know, kind of mm-hmm. bring it down, get people chanting yeah. with you. And then, yeah, so that was kind of a cool idea that um, he really was like, you should do that. And I was like, okay, done. <laughs> <laughs> Say money 
that's alright with me You say time's a golden ring Honey, that's alright with me You left home for Tennessee Honey, that's alright with me You left home to be set free Honey, that's alright with me Sometimes we talk and forget the words Honey, that's alright with me Sometimes our choices are blind and blurred Honey, that's alright with me You say freedom is a choice we make Honey, that's alright with me So that's alright with me. What year were we there? It's 2016. That was off Stereo of Steel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Going into kind of the newer stuff, tell me what this process has looked like for you as you started writing this last EP and recording and we have shutdown, we have everything coming to a standstill. Where are you at when that happens? Are you in the process of making a record yet? Yeah, man. <laughs> um, you know what's so, so what's crazy is, um, you know, I, uh, where to start <laughs> in a lot of ways i write a good amount kind of all throughout the year and so even with kind of my writing process i kind of don't stop writing and so there are kind of moments and months like i mean i'll tell i'll tell you straight up i've probably written only a couple ideas and i don't i wouldn't even call them songs yet uh since kind of putting the final touches on on this EP. But, you know, kind of where it started, you know, life kind of had a big change for me uh, three years ago. I uh, got a divorce from my first wife. You know, it was one of those things where there was a lot of writing kind of from those places and a lot of writing just in the throes of life. Some of that coming before the divorce and all that. And so, some songs actually predate the the divorce, but you know, just there's so there's I'd say there's a lot of honesty with these songs, just with myself and you know, just with my own shortcomings as a human as well. Mm-hmm. Looking into that, there was a lot of things that shifted, friendships ended, you know, this sort of a thing. I mean, just a huge life shift. Mm-hmm. And then I've been married to my now wife for two years. And I mean, she has just been a huge proponent just of like Brooks, <laughs> you know, you, you've got to keep going, you know, you keep going, keep writing, keep fighting and, you know, just kind of keep, keep on the path, man. Mm-hmm. And so with that, it was, I just randomly, so I have a good friend, his name is Vince Emmett and he is the producer of the EP, but, Pre me asking him, I was kind of just up shit creek, man. I, I didn't know how I was going to put out another album. So I was just like, man, forget it. 
I'm just going to text my friend Vince and I'm just going to ask him for feedback and we'll kind of go from there and see what he thinks. And that was legit. I sent that text. I was like, dude, can I send you some songs, man? I just, I don't really know what to do. I feel like I've got another project in me. I feel like I've got many projects in me, but I was like, I, I want to put out this album and I want to put out a album, but I don't really know where to start. And he just kind of the next text, I, you know, you see the dot, dot, dot bubble. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and I had no idea what he's going to say, but he's like, another project? Let's do it together. And I was oh, like, what? Yeah. And so, I, I mean, and I've known Vince since I was probably 19. And so I'm 36 now. So, you know, he's just kind of been in my life as sort of a mentor, kind of a musical, just sounding board at times. But I've never been able to have the pleasure of working with him kind of in that professional way. And so once that happened, the doors just blew off, man. Really, like no other, um, I, I brought to the table probably 40, 45 songs. And again, these are songs that kind of are current to me or a little bit old or even a, a B-side to Stereo of Steel mm. that I thought was going to be on Stereo of Steel that didn't make it. And so I just was like, we're just going to bring them all to the table. We'll kind of sort through the bullshit and we'll go from there, man. When uh, when when you took these 40 or so songs, 40, 45 songs, the, these must have been, you talked about being honest and raw. These must have been pretty, you know, you're going through a major, major, major big deal in your life. These must have been the most honest and raw and hard to sing and hear and put out there things that you could absolutely do. For sure. For sure. I th- and I think with some of that, like looking at them also is just songs and not trying to attach the pain or the, you know, some of that, those things too. So there was some double, like I'm trying to like, uh, <laughs> do I really want to say this? <laughs> and, and and there's probably a reason that that was the first time you worked with this guy that you've known for almost 20 years. I mean, who yeah. else are you going to get in a room and be able to be that vulnerable around other than yourself and somebody you've known that long because otherwise, would you have really been able to say what you what what you needed to say, get it out, do those mm-hmm. things, and have that person to bounce those ideas off of that really probably, in the long run, encouraged you and said, yes, 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 Brooks, this is the right path, man. Keep keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, that was one of the more comforting things, and actually. You know, so my wife sings on on this EP as well. And so she sings on Devil's Teeth. You hear a beautiful voice singing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so we go to Nashville and it's it's my band who use, we played together. It's those guys. And then also my wife singing as well. So we went to Nashville, had the chance to record it. Sound Emporium, incredible experience mm-hmm. in Studio B. You know, so we wrapped that up in a couple days, honestly. So we did the initial tracking, which is what you hear on the album. Now, when we went to, Vince also has a studio in Louisville uh, because he he lived here for years and years. You know, we were going to do vocal overdubs. 
And these are kind of some of the more like really sweet moments where it's me, Bianca and Vince. And, you know, Vince sings on the, on the EP too. He's, (laughs) (laughs) he just, he adds this beautiful third harmony. You know, it was just one of those things. I think we were talking, I think we were having some wine and, um, you know, he just kind of opens up. He's like, you know, I don't, you know, I could have done the second record. I could have done the first album. And I'm in the room, Bianca's in the room, and she's hearing this for the first time. But he's like, I just don't think you were ready. And having been able to hear all these songs and to hear the honesty and just the, you know, the nature of these songs, I knew in my heart of hearts when you contacted me about this that this was the right time. Hmm. And so it was just one of those serendipitous, whatever you want to call it, man. It, it just, it just, it, that's it. Yeah, man. Yeah. That is it. Yeah. That is it. It <laughs> fell in line how it was supposed to fall in line to get to where mm-hmm. we are right now. So ghost come yeah. to life. That's, uh, that's ready. Just hasn't been released. That's correct. Other than devil's teeth. Yes. So, to kind of get back to your original question, what was it like? Um, so we almost finished everything prior to March of this year when the shutdown happened. Mm-hmm. And we actually realized we needed to cut one more song. And so um, shout out to Steve Wilson in Louisville. He let us borrow his studio and you know he engineered kind of all of this because we needed one more song you know, we were able to, it was literally week of things happening. You know, he just, he told us, he's like, I've sanitized everything. Everything's fine. Um, let's, let's, let's cut it. Let's get it done. And I tell you what, we were in there a couple hours and it's, it's honestly the most uh, intimate track um, on the EP. This song is, and it's, again, I kind of have moments on, both stereo of steel and this, that it's like, I'm playing electric on everything uh, except one song. And this is the one song, <laughs> but it, it's, it's just crazy. So we got to finish that, you know, so all of the vocal overdubs, all the mixing, everything uh, Vince's at this time too, lo and behold, he's moved his family from Nashville to LA. <laughs> hmm. So it's like, <laughs> He's done this probably a month or two before shutdown. Oh, I bet he wished he never did that now. (laughs) (laughs) Living in L.A. is not the spot to be right now, man. Man, well, (laughs) you know what? He's, they just live a cool, crazy life, man. They're, they're wild and beautiful, unbridled people. Yeah, so, I mean, all that happened. And then shutdown happened. Gosh, man, I mean, the racial tension, uh, just absolutely, uh, it, 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 it was a lot this year, man. It was so much, so much pain, uh, having to, you know, really answer hard questions, think about white privilege, think about all that, um, the stuff that, that, that we don't have to face, you know, that we don't, we can just kind of, mm-hmm. we can ride, man. And it's, and it's, cool because you know nobody typically questions a white male 
in his mid thirties. You know, I don't, I don't have to face some of the questions my black brothers and sisters have to. And so it's just like, just unbelievable. <laughs> That's the easiest word for it. Unbelievable. 2020. Yeah. You know, everybody had such high hopes going into 2020, the vision of clarity, 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, then, yeah. uh, and you're right, man. It, you, what a wake up call it's been for people that look like me and you. Well, yeah. And, and that's important. It's important that, that it has come. I, yes, I, it has. I think. I yes. Think. Yeah, I totally that, agree. Yeah, man. Yeah, Hopefully that'll right. be good. Yeah. That, that comes out of this crazy year. Mm. That's it. So sure. Brooks on, uh, uh, what's the plans on on rolling this new album out? Are are you going to do it a single at a time, and or what's the thoughts there? Well, and so I've kind of toyed with the idea. <laughs> I was like, I'm, you know, we released, um, we're going to be releasing the full thing with uh, Sonoblast, uh, local record company here, and um, probably three weeks or four weeks before. We actually released Devil's Teeth. Jackson from Sonoblast told me, he's like, what do you think about releasing a single in November? <laughs> I was like, well, hell, it's, we're a week away from November. What are you thinking? And um, he was like, November 20th. And I was like, okay. We went with that. And then the next question was, well, what do you think about the single? What's it going to be? I mean, honestly, the the crazy part is I didn't think it was, I thought, you know, Devil's Teeth was just going to be a deep cut. <laughs> if you can have deep cuts on EPs, um, <laughs> this is going to be a deep cut. <laughs> but like, um, no, man, I, I just, you know, I th- there's a couple bangers on there that I was just like, oh, dude, I mean, for sure they're going to pick this one. And, um, you know, they came back and were like, dude, we love Devil's Teeth. It's so catchy. It's got such a cool groove to it. So let's do that one. And I was like, okay. It's a great song. It's a great song. And Thank listeners, so we'll, we'll play that entire track at the end of the podcast. Yeah, that is so, a man. great tune. Dude, yeah. thank you guys so much, man. And so I think the plan is uh, January. I think we're going to release the full thing. January, awesome. okay. Yeah. Dude, and already starting 2021 in a good, good manner. <laughs> there we go. Man, we got we a Brooks Ritter getting, release. We're getting after it, man. 2020, yes, 2021 will be better, damn it. It's better be better, man. It can't be worse. It has can to it? be, doesn't it? <laughs> Actually, right. January 2020 wasn't bad. It was everything after that shit. Well, true, when did true, it all true. start? March? Was that yeah, what? March, yeah, March. That was the yeah. official shutdown. I guess. Yeah. Well, man, I got to give you uh, uh, some credit before we go because looking back over the last year, the third episode in, we talked about ego. And we talked about how there's a tendency, and especially in me, to compare and want to be better and this and that. And mm. and uh, I think that when we finally got to play a show together and I watched the video at Odeon mm. and I just fell in love with the style and what you were doing and your music, it finally put me in a great perspective of how to listen to music again. Mm. So there, there was part of discovering you as a musician and and having the chance to play a, a show with you that it also allowed me to actually just enjoy music again and live music and going to watch people play and being a part of the local scene. So you had no idea that you did that at all, but I appreciate <laughs> you for that, man. It was Dude, a big part you, of brother. my growth 
in the last year as a as a person and a musician for sure. Cool. Man, brother, that's humbling. That is truly humbling. humbling. So thank you for those kind yes, of words, sir. man. Brooks, our listeners that want to follow you a little more closely, where where can they do that? Where give us your Absolutely. socials and Yeah, so on uh Twitter, I am at Mr. Brooks Ritter. So it's Mr. Brooks Ritter. On Instagram, I am Brooks Ritter Music. And on Facebook, Brooks Ritter Music as well. And um, beyond that, I don't think I have anything. Oh, I'm on uh, TikTok. Oh, oh, you're a, TikTok. you're a TikToker. Y'all do well, family dances and stuff. <laughs> I did one. I did that one uh, Tootsie slide by Drake. Uh, okay. And okay. it's completely ridiculous. I, I'm, I, going, I'm going to watch that now. <laughs> yeah, I'm on there. I, it's mostly me kind of replicating what I'm doing on Instagram, so I'm not sure if it's connecting, but <laughs> I, well, it's hey, fine. You had a big announcement this week, and I just want to say congratulations, kid number three on the way. Oh, Thank congratulations. Yes, sir. It's definitely bigger than the one-year anniversary of the Top Hill Recording Podcast. So congratulations, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> congratulations my man. Thank you. Dude, thank uh, you so you much, you and your man. wife. Yes, yeah. thank you, man. I'm, we're so excited. Hell yeah. I'm glad we could finally get you on the show. Yes, we want to go out with uh, Devil's Teeth. Is there anything you want to tell us about that? Man, it's a song just, uh, you know, we grow up in kind of the Bible Belt, right? And so there's oh, yeah. churches. You could throw a, a stone and hit a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is one of those, you know, the devil made me do it. The, uh, the devil's in the details <laughs> sort of a situation. <laughs> and so I wrote it with that, um, you know, the line, uh, I was caught in the devil's teeth, the devil's teeth, they got me. That was what came first for me. And so I was just like, what if I write this song like this? And it just, man, it was, it was one of those, man. It just kind of was easy. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if that's a, it, it just kind of fell on the page with mm-hmm. uh with a lot of ease so man i hope you guys love it i hope the listeners we love do. it that's really all i got to say about that one all right awesome, brother. here it is devil's teeth we'll see you guys next week thank you brooks yes sir Fight. I was caught in the devil's teeth, the devil's teeth, oh they got me.